Good day, friends. Welcome to the Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. I'm your host, Elcio Eber, transformational author, speaker, and life coach. Allow me to be a guide as you discover your higher self and your magic within. Good day, friends, and welcome back to Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness, podcast number 11. This is part two of my interview with author and life coach, Susanna Quintana. Please enjoy and join us as we continue our discussion on emotional abuse and being in a relationship with a narcissistic partner. No, very true. And like I said, I've come to that place because I had to, like I said, in the healing of myself and then revisiting childhood memories, you know, I discovered that I had uncles that weren't kind because my father was never around. So the only male figures I ever had was these uncles that I'd be raised by uh, my mother and my grandmother. But I think I now can look back and see that they were hurt individuals going through their difficulties and not knowing how to interact with a young child that's not their own. And so a lot of negative hatred came across and it was verbal, emotional, and physical abuse. And though I feel like, okay, I got stronger from it, I learned how to deal with it, I learned how to avoid it, you know, you had to, at some point, come to the place to ask yourself, why? There's a part of you, you know, that like feeling you're not good enough, and someone keeps telling you how unworthy you are for so long. A lot of people now that I deal with and coach and talk to, they'll be like, oh my God, you're such an inspiration, we love talking to you. But, you know, they don't know, or some do, but the fact is, I did a lot of work on myself to get to where I am because I had those little voices used to talk about. There was always this self-doubt, this, you're not, don't do that, uh, you know, this all shadow voice that would come up. And it, though you think you got over, it creeps up. And so that's a different level of internal work because now you know that the problem, you worked on the healing of it, is how do you get rid of that shadow, that negative shadow that was created let's say when those negative words were spoken, how a part of you was blasted through you from an astral perspective, and now you have the shadow side of you, the spiritual side of sitting there. You need to do cleansing on all levels, mental, physical, and spiritual, to be able to come to a whole healthy self. And Absolutely. that was helpful that I had reached there because when I'm being in a relationship with someone that's coming out of such a, a difficulty with a malignant narcissist, you know, like you said, you still have to have interactions. And when you, you have things like, you know, you're being this stalking at the house or PIs hanging around and you feel like you're being followed or intimidated by this person because they just don't want to see that person that you're loving happy. And so they're going to do these different things to sort of push you out of that person's life so that that person doesn't know what happiness is. And, you know, it takes a different level of strength, but that's where those I had to have defeated those monsters, those voices that kept telling me I'm not good enough and I don't deserve this love and this isn't really worthy what it is. And it's knowing that, you know, I am love, I am worthy. And to me, I looked at it then as whatever physical harm would come to me because of this person's stalking, I had to be okay facing that. The one thing that was difficult for me to do, Susanna, was to say that I will abandon this love that I had known because... I wasn't brave enough to stand by that person and I was going to let that person go through that difficulty on their own. 
Right. I, you know, you just I just couldn't. <laughs> like, I don't stand for beliefs. I don't like beliefs. And I looked at it from a different perspective when I was able to step away from it in my spiritual so I said, that's bullying. And that's not, you know, that's not cool. That's like walking down the school corridor and you see someone gets shoved into a locker every day. And you, you just close your eyes and turn the other way and walk past it. Right. And so for me at that moment, I knew that that I was going to stay. I was going to stay the course. And that's why when I, through Chris Codinias, I learned of you and your book. I wanted to reach out to you because I was struggling to learn more about the narcissist perspective and what it's like to have endured a marriage or relationship with someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, because the one thing about narcissistic abuse is that there's so many stereotypes about abuse in general, right? We, we think that abuse has bruises and broken bones. Yeah. And if it doesn't have, if you can't prove your pain physically, and even if you can, even if you are being physically abused, even that has a stigma surrounding it, right? But if you don't have bruises and broken bones, then were you really abused, right? And so when we live in a culture like that, that basically is telling people, telling victims of emotional, narcissistic, mental, psychological, financial abuse, that, you know, maybe it's your fault that this is happening, or what part of this are you playing? There's a lot of shame surrounding abuse that doesn't come with physical proof. You know, in my case, I remember, especially in the last, I would say the last four or five years were just brutal. They were the worst. And narcissists get worse over time because their mask falls off and the victims start, you start calling them out on things. And that's when they get worse because they want you to be quiet and put up with their abuse and so forth. So they tend to get worse over time. But I remember being very aware of, I would look at myself in the mirror and I would think, I wish he would hit me. Yeah. And so for somebody, if you can imagine the pain that somebody would be in to wish to be physically hit, right? But I was because nobody knew. And how did I explain myself, right? How did I, I didn't even know, like I said, at that time, I didn't know what a narcissist was. I thought everything was my fault. And he used to, which is what narcissists do, by the way, it's projection is they start calling you the narcissist or they start telling that you, you know, like my ex would tell me that I was the bully and that I was the narcissist and all these things that I just remember thinking to myself, you know, just being in this fog all the time, being confused a lot and being in a fog and just like, I don't know what's going on. That's why the crazy making happens because you just start feeling absolutely crazy. Like you've just lost all sense of reality. Right. Um, But I do remember, I do remember often for years wishing that, you know, I wish he would become physically violent. I wish he would punch me. I wish he would throw me into a, I wish I could have something so I could call the police and I could go show people, look what he did to me. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's just, it's an insidious Emotional abuse is absolutely insidious in that I think it acts like a cancer, right? Is because you don't even know it's killing you sometimes until it's too late. You're absolutely right. And, you know, as you were saying that, you know, it brought me back to a lot of the life coaching clients that I work with. And also I do, I do health and wellness and fitness and tennis, but over the years I've interacted with individuals that I can now, like I said, because of, the past experiences have gone into asking a lot about this topic and narcissists and so forth. 
And I dealt with, with, you know, young teenagers that were in school and seeing how they were going through some stuff. I didn't know who to talk to about stuff. I remember one kid that just felt comfortable talking to me and then he opened up about the parents got divorced and, you know, he was with the mom and mom was with a new person. But it was just going to a lot of different challenges as a youngster from there. And how when a grown person, like you said, an adult, then is in such a situation, there is no footing. And if you never had anyone to learn it, to help you, what's healthy mentality, what's a healthy emotional state of well-being and balance, what's yeah. a spiritual fundamental basis you should have going into the world that you are sound in your being because like you said you want it to be hit and when you said that it was like oh my god I listened to this word sound of your voice and the image I get is that you know that emotional abuse those emotional jabs and punches they were hurting more than a black eye would absolutely and that mental tearing apart of your your life where you're, you're spinning you don't know if you're standing you're, and that's why I could get what you're saying. It's like, you know, hit me. Then I, I could say, this is what it is. But the world looking at you as if you were the crazy one and he was being the one that was abused because of this unbalanced lady when it was totally opposite. But you had nothing to show for it. And, it, you know, they can't see the pain you were going through. They couldn't see the bruises of the mind and the heart. So yeah. that's where I, I get what you're saying when you say that. Yes, and the reason narcissists are so dangerous and deadly is because, you know, bruises and broken bones can heal, right? But these emotional wounds that are just, especially with, with tactics such as, you know, narcissists use gaslighting, which is the crazy-making stuff. They're mm -hmm. pathological liars. They do smear campaigns against you where you don't even know that until it's too late that they've been talking to everybody about you and writing this narrative about you. So all this combination of things. And then the biggest, I guess, violation of a person is that when you first meet them, right? I mean, like if a narcissist shows you who they are at the beginning, no narcissist would ever get a second date. Okay. They go through this process of, I mean, like I said, when I met my ex-husband, I was, you know, educated. I was smart. I was a businesswoman. I owned my own business. I had a college degree. And so he was a master at, you know, what's called love bombing, where they just pour the passion and love on and basically just build you up and put you on this pedestal. And they claim that they love everything about you. Right. And so when you're talking about a person like me, who came from a background of abuse from my father, the male in my life, right? And not having any good experience with men in the past. So I fell for it hook, line, and sinker because he was telling me everything that I wanted to hear. So investing in this person and you know, falling in love, having children, establishing a life together, making future plans that you're going to be together you know, until death do you part, and all of these things. And then slowly over the years as the mask starts to come off and this person changes right in front of you. And that's where the fog comes in or the confusion. A lot of victims talk about the fog is that, you know, I'll just speak from my experience is that I watched this man that I fell in love with change. And it was so mystifying to me because sometimes he would be you know, the guy that I remember having met and fallen in love with. And then he would turn into this other guy. And I was like, 
okay, wait a second, I'm really confused because who's that guy? I don't know who that guy is. But then he would flip back, right? And so it was like living with Jekyll and Hyde. And it's in the beginning, it was more of the good guy and less of, you know, very, very little glimpses of the bad guy. And then over the years, it became you know, more of the bad guy, I forget which one is the bad guy in Jekyll and Hyde, but uh, (laughs) more of the cruel guy, and then very, very, you know, much less of the guy that I fell in love with. So it was this undoing, basically, of, okay, wait a second, I promised, I vowed in front of, you know, my family that I was going to love this person forever, it's, we're legal, you know, legally married, we have a family, we have children, all of this that I had invested. And so, that's where the fall comes in is you're just like, what is going on? Why, you know, why is this person, who is this? I don't recognize this. And then on top of that, they have convinced you that all of this is your fault, right? So if he was cruel or if he was manipulative or if he was lying or if he cheated on me, somehow it all came back to me, right? That's why I think it's the worst, the most damaging type of abuse, because you're just literally being brainwashed. And what I've experienced from my own person, like I said, looking back and then owning my own stuff, realizing this was connected to childhood stuff and then going through the healing, yeah, coming into the process of trying to move forward from a space that you start to realize that you know, people tend to own, if they're not conscious of themselves, but it's a conscious person, they only see the, the here and now, the physical. They only see what's in front of them, what's, what you're wearing today, what this is. And no matter what the conversation or dialogue that you can try to establish with someone that you feel you can trust to share the darkness with, yeah, I think if they're not in a place where they're already emotionally, they can't comprehend it. They don't understand, you know, how, what someone goes through like that. Like, no, this and that. And it's, I found that that was the difficult part is you feel you're, you're not only, you don't have the bruises, like you say, the show. Yeah. Now it's like you're in court trying to plead an emotional case to someone to understand what this abuse type of abuse has done to you. And they're like, you know, they don't get how that can happen. Right. How could you let that happen, Susan? You know, like, I didn't let it happen. <laughs> you know? right. That I found it difficult when they don't see the victim's pain, so they can't identify or empathetically connect. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why people tell others who have never experienced emotional abuse or a narcissist, you know, you hear it all the time of, you know, why don't you just get over it? Why don't you just move on? Yes, you hear that. Um, yeah. To me, that's like somebody who doesn't speak Spanish trying to teach me Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you've never experienced narcissistic abuse in particular, there is no way you could have anything beneficial for that person. You know, even therapists, you know, you can have all the master's degrees in the world, but if you have not experienced something like abuse from a borderline personality person you know you learn the basics in college but if you don't have the experience of being a victim of it you don't have what i call like the street cred of talking about it of helping and i can tell you that while many you know the psychologist that i finally went to and found he saved my life because he was an expert on narcissism But this was after three therapists who I was traumatized by all three of these therapists because I was going in with my ex and narcissists are masters 
at convincing counselors and therapists who don't know much about narcissistic abuse, you know, to get them to buy their story. Yeah. Um, so I was traumatized by these three therapists I went to. And this in turn, because of this psychologist who, like I said, just absolutely saved my life because he knew how narcissists worked, especially in therapy settings. That's a good part of the reason that I do the work that I do today is because I'm on the same journey as a woman who is just coming out of an abusive, of an emotionally abusive relationship. I'm on the same road as her. I just happen to be farther down the road. So I can look back and I have that perspective of what it's like. I know what it's like because I've been there, right? I've gone through it. I know exactly what she's feeling. And that's really important when we're trying to get help is that we need to surround ourselves with people who get it. Yeah. And you can find out if somebody gets it right away because if somebody responds with anything close to, you know, I just don't understand why you can't get over it or why it's a big deal or, or people with like, my father is a narcissist and I can't tell you how many times because I had to cut my father out of my life because he's toxic. I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, Oh, but he's your father. He loves you. Right. That is traumatizing to me because people don't understand that. No, there are actually people out there, actually parents that do not know the meaning of love. Right. I mean, abusive parents are abusive parents. Right. So finding people who do get it on your journey of healing. And that's very true because like I said, when you talk to parents, like I said, I many times felt like the guilty one looking back and say, well, how could a parent make certain decisions or say certain things or do certain actions? And you're like, well, I must have done something wrong. It was really this, that, that triggered that. And like, and what my, my past relationship an open discussion helped me to learn and recognize was, no, you were the child in this situation. Yes. Innocent to someone that should know better, at least have stopped and thought twice about certain things they said or did. And that's why when I bring it up in clients that I coach with, especially when dealing with teenagers or younger kids, it's always understanding that perspective of the journey that they are on in life because I've been through that journey. I've been that child. And so being that I, I think was consciously aware of myself, not just spiritually, but from to the evolution of a young child into teenage life, young adulthood, first chapter, second chapter, to here, uncomfortable going into that ocean and swimming through it, and not being afraid of getting dirty <laughs> with yeah. the, the pain or with the, the darkness, and learn how to then go there and come back with a positive light or shine light into it and see it from a different perspective in the aftermath of it all. Yes. Yeah. Perspective is key, isn't it? Because, you know, speaking of like our parents, because, you know, when it comes to our parents and Chris Godinas talks a lot about this, is that there's this myth that, oh, all parents love their children. All parents essentially want what's best for their children. And when we start to believe that, then like you said, then if our parents are acting in a way that's hurting us and they are knowingly hurting us, then when we're children, it's like, well, who's to blame but ourselves, right? Because we must have caused them to act that way. But if you have that perspective as an adult to see people for, you know, the difference between someone who is an abusive narcissist who you need to get out of your life and somebody who's made a mistake. I talk about this in my book of how victims, we don't have a frame of reference anymore for the difference. But for example, I'll use my father as an example, is that 
he continually and purposefully and intentionally caused me and my brother and my mother pain. Even when I would go to him and, you know, love him and explain, could you please stop doing this to me? This hurts me very much. There was no remorse. It was just all toxic. Now, this would be different if, let's say, I had a father who had made some mistakes and hurt me, and I went to him and said, you know, I was really hurt by this that you did. And then, you know, if my father were to take responsibility and say, I'm so sorry, I love you, I would never intentionally hurt you, right? So that's a huge difference, you know, because you have one person who is a feeling empathetic, loving, normal person, healthy, emotionally healthy person who just makes a mistake. And then there are narcissists. And those are two totally different types of people. Yeah, you have, the, you have the nurturing heart, the living life, and that is able to stumble but can get back up, own it, and grow from it. And then you have the calculated yes. mind that isn't connected to heart and soul, but it's just calculating every move and everything to put themselves in a position of controlling the situation and the other person. Yes. And that, that's different because, like you said, when they, they first start dating, you, you, they don't bring that side of themselves to the table. Right. This, this whole, and what I've heard from other victims, you know, that it's almost as if the narcissist reads so keenly into where their weaknesses, let's say, then was. And then, like you said, they, they then knew exactly which buttons to push, exactly what to say. Like, it's like as they were getting to know that the victim, they started to create a narrative of how best to control. And it was just this, right. like, you know, they're writing the story as they go along. And then right. you find yourself immersed in this narrative. And it's like, oh, my God, when did I agree to this, to be treated this way? When did, it, did I agree to be spoken? Right, right. When- yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's just, it's a mystifying place to be in. It really is. I always, I mentioned this in my book is that emotional abuse with a narcissist, it's like being sucker punched. You don't know who hits you, but then when you, then you realize that it's the one that you loved and trusted, that they're the ones that they're the ringmaster of this whole show. And not only that, but you, you know, just like a circus that they're the ringmaster of, then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, there's these other shows that are going on that are, everything's exactly, everything is built around the idea that this narcissist is going to keep you in a position of control and loss of power so that they can continue their abuse. You know, like one of the things that was, I mean, was really crazy making for me was that over the 16 years that we were together, whenever we would be out socially, he would constantly, or even when he wasn't around me, because people would come to me and say, you know, he was famous for saying, just glowing about me as a mother, right? Like he would tell anybody that would listen, oh my God, she's such a great mother. She's the best mother, on and on and on saying these things. So you're thinking to yourself, now, if he was abusive, why would he be talking so highly about her, right? And that's just the thing about like the smear campaign is that, so he's charming himself with these people, right? Who are all my friends and people I know and so forth. And they're like, wow, he's such a great guy because all he does is talk how highly he values you as a mother, right? When, in fact, behind closed doors, he was systematically breaking me down about me not being able to cut it as a mother from when our children were very young, from when they were born. That's where it was just mystifying. So I'm like, wait, this, none of this makes sense, right? How does this, how does this make sense? And it wasn't until I started you know, studying narcissists and how they work. And I realized, oh, it makes perfect sense. 
because then by the time that, that he's been spinning these narratives about me, he's got everybody believing him that he's this great guy, right? But yeah, that's where the crazy making comes in because it's like, wait a second, what is going, you know, like I said, you just, you get sucker punched and you're like, who hit me? And then that realization of, oh my God, it's the one I loved and trusted more than anything in the world. The most difficult thing that I've heard from past individuals as well as clients in that situation is that, you know, this part where you feel you're in a marriage, but it's not a full partnership because this imbalance that is enabled to become inequality between you and the person. And like you said, there's one mind where there's like, yeah, we're in a perfect balance. We're in this together. I love you so much. You're doing such a great job. We're going to get through this. And next time they put the victim down with this emotional breakdown that makes them feel less than worthy of being in the relationship or even being like, oh my God, I need to work on this. I, I, I got to get my game together. Right. And then there's that part of going as a malignant narcissist going even a step further and it's really just victimizing and controlling every aspect of that person's life to where I've heard where, you know, the narcissist wouldn't allow them to have their own bank's account. You know, they had to control everything with of the aspects of their lives was crazy. And then at one point I was like, oh my God, it sounds like that one movie with Julia Roberts. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, you know, it's like you see it in a movie and it's like, oh, Julia Roberts is a victim. And I think back on the movie and how that glass house, she was locked into it and controlled by it. Yeah. But to the world, they were the perfect couple and living in a perfect house, you know, perfect right. world, you know, everything was going well, but no one knew what was going on behind closed doors. And that's, I think is the one referencing back to the talk earlier of how if someone doesn't get it, then it's difficult for someone to even get the depths from to which a narcissist is able to control someone's life and break them down. And why it's so hard to separate or get out of such a situation when you find yourself vacuumed into it, meaning you didn't willingly participate from these, like you said, from the first date onward, it's just almost like this was perfect and you got sucked into a perfect vacuum. And then what came out on the other side was this <laughs> not great person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Susanna, tell me a little bit more then. Thank you, by the way, for sharing. This was very helpful for me and in, in understanding a little bit more, especially to be compassionate with others, you know, that are victims. Because yes. I hear things that you've said I've heard before from past relationships I've had with people that's been through that relationship. It's, so it's like listening to that same person speak again. And that's why it's like, oh my God, this is really, this is actually a diagnostic thing because right. the victims without knowing each other tell the same stories <laughs> and they, you know, it's like they've gone through the same experiences and it's like, that can't be a coincidence. That's something wrong there. Yeah. So I'm very thankful for that. But before we leave, I, I didn't think I in the beginning, but can you please share with us the title of your book and how people can find it? Absolutely. It's called You're Still That Girl, Get Over Your Abusive Ex for Good. And it's written for women who, are, who want to recover and heal after an emotionally abusive relationship, particularly with a narcissist. And it's getting back what I hear time and time again and what I experienced myself and why I titled it this, You're Still That Girl, is because when I came out of the abusive marriage, I did not recognize the woman in the mirror. So what I had to do was, is I had to get back in touch with that girl I used to be before the abuse started so that I could remind myself because I had been, 
you know, conditioned to change all my thought patterns by the time I escaped. So I had to get back in touch with that girl. You know, you can call it your instinct, your intuition, whatever you want to call it. But basically just, you know, get back in touch with who you used to be because she's the one that holds the key to your full recovery and healing. And again, it's just like we talked about today about going back in the past and, you know, just recognizing that you have to go there and you have to also go through it and you have to feel it in order to move forward without that emotional attachment. But you can, I'd love to offer all your listeners free copies of my book. It's on ebook right now. It'll be released in bookstores at the end of this year or early in 2020. So you can either send me a direct email at support at com. I don't know if you can maybe put a link up to my email or you can visit my website at com. And I'd love to send you a free copy. Awesome. Yeah, I will most definitely do that. I'm going to actually, on my social media and on my website blog, I'll repost your website and the link to the Amazon so that those people that are listening, I would like to get more information on your book and, and download it. They can do that from there. But I just wanted to cover that before we, before I let you go. You know, and, and also I know from your website that, you know, you, you do life coaching as well. So if, I, any, if there are any victims out there or someone that's even second guessing the situation they're in and would like to be able to have another female to speak to that's been there and gone through that and is able to coach them from that perspective, please check out her website and contact her as a life coach as well. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, no, definitely. Because like I said, our conversation today really resonated and it's just so echo-like to hear the same narrative from different victims and then to really put, let's say, a face to the narcissist stereotype, or not stereotype, but a personality and characteristic and the malignant narcissist. Before I let you go, are we able to... You, do you have any advice? I'm wondering if you can share the last few words, but let's say from two perspectives, like how would you help someone that's in a abusive relationship, whether it's emotional, psychological, or physical, that is thinking about trying to get out like you did? And what would you say then to someone that was brave enough to see that, go through the difficulties, separate from that, and is now facing this individual new world after years of marriage to a narcissist? Right. Well, first, just let me say that in physically abusive relationships, obviously that is, you know, I am not a psychologist. And so I send, because I have women reach out to me, if you're in a physically abusive relationship, you know, please reach out to the police, to local domestic violence shelters, whoever you can to get help in those situations to make a plan for escape. For those who are in relationships who they think may be a narcissist still, the first thing that I want to say to you is that you're not alone and you're not crazy. And just to find somebody, find a therapist, find a psychologist like I eventually did who knows how narcissists work. And that's pretty easy to discover as soon as you, you know, come into somebody's office. And I would just say, learn as much as you can. You can empower yourself through understanding the language surrounding narcissistic abuse, because when we're in it, like when I was in it, I mean, again, I thought everything was my fault. I was in a really dark place. I felt I was crazy. So that's why I just, you know, my first word of advice to anybody still in it is that you're not alone and you're not crazy. 
And if you've just escaped it, you know, I will say that the journey of healing and recovery is a difficult one. It's one that's not linear and it will test you at every turn. And many times it feels like you're so many ups and downs. It's a roller coaster and it'll make you dizzy. But you will get to the other side of it as long as you go through it and not try to avoid it or especially, you know, jump right back into a similar relationship. And again, that's what I do. I work with women who have recently escaped, even years later, who are still at some point of the recovery and healing journey, because it's really important to speak with somebody who's been there and who gets it, right? Because we want to limit our re-victimization because we're going to be already going through like triggers and flashbacks and all these, you know, many victims have PTSD, which I was diagnosed with and anxiety and maybe panic attacks and stuff like that. So we already have enough to deal with. So it's really important to find people who get it to help you through. Thank you so much for sharing that insight. And yes, I really do encourage anyone that's even thinking that they might be in a situation that is emotionally or psychologically harmful, please take a step, take a moment and find some assistance with where you're at at that moment. Susanna, I want to thank you for joining me for the Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness episode. And it was such a pleasure to have you. And I really did enjoy the conversation. And I do invite you back at some point. This was wonderful. I'd love to be able to swim in the ocean again and see where we can take the conversation. Yes, I love this so much. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye. I would like to take a brief moment for a guided meditation. Close your eyes and take a deep breath and follow me in this guided meditation as we recite this daily affirmation. I am sight and I am seen. I am light and I am love. I know that I can achieve greatness. I am mind and I am body. I know that I will overcome all adversities. I am heart driven by emotion and I am spirit affecting light. I know I am heavenly favored and blessed. So it is that I know with faith that this too shall pass. Blessing be to you. Healing of the heart, healing of the mind, I extend to you from my vibrational force into yours, a guidance of healing, love, and light. Hear this resonant sound and receive the healing. I am one, I am one, I am one. Healing all to sound vibration. Becoming spiritually integrated means giving up false conceptual beliefs and keeping one's true nature deeply connected with the universal force of life and creation, all in the heart, all in the mind in spirit. The following guidelines will help your self-revival and your process and journey of self-cultivation to the self-transformation. Unify the mind and the body so there is no separation. Concentrate on inner vitality and on becoming pliant like a baby. Purify your inner vision in order to reach immaculate accuracy. 
love all people and govern them with serviceable virtue instead of resorting to a worldly approach of force. Be receptive when heavenly doors open as well as when they close. This brings forth subtle changes that appear in the physical world. For there is the changing and the unchanging truth that is within all life in the one single moment that we are from past, present, and future. Keep your mind and life unoccupied in order to live with the reality of each new moment for what it is. Blessings be to you. Receive the healing of all. Blessings be to you. Receive the healing. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. It was truly a pleasure to be your guide. Please do join us next time for another eye-opening episode. Until then, please remember to thread water lightly and always be kind and loving to self. Thank you.